A very warm welcome to our listeners on Behind the Deal, a new podcast series that explores the intricacies of venture capital world along with my co-host Vishnu Priya. For episode 4, we have none other than Mr. Kavaljeet Singh, founder and managing partner at Fireside Ventures. While they recently announced the close of their second fund at a booming 863 crores, we explore his journey starting with Hindustan Unilever Limited, Helion Ventures, and then establishing his own family office before embarking upon establishing Fireside. He talks about what to expect when we talk about capturing trends, the consumer market, the pulse of the consumer, and most importantly. co-building ventures with their portfolio companies it's bound to be one of the most refreshing episodes you've come across so far at behind the deal and we cannot wait to get started so uh kaval you've spent over a decade in the consumer marketing space at unilever and then as a co-founder senior managing director at helion venture capital your interest in consumer brands and growing them was a rather unique decision even prior to starting fireside Uh, very curious to know what gave you the courage to leverage this interest at the time, especially since it meant moving on from Helion, and the fact that you picked brands like Paperboat, which too went against the grain as they latched on to, uh, you know, catering to Indian tastes at the time. So you know, uh, like you said, I started my journey with Unilever, and uh, obviously, you know, being my first job and spending ten years with one of probably the. most respected consumer brands uh, consumer companies uh, in india uh, did give me uh, a lot of uh, not only appreciation and insight into the world of consumer brand but also you know almost like a first love you know you, you never forget uh, what you have learned in your formative years in your career so when i was part of helion you know i did feel that there was an opportunity to at least explore what were the possible ways of uh, you know manifesting this uh, this interest or this curiosity about consumer brands in the investment world and i tried out uh, several different models you know we invested in uh, beauty salon chain we invested in restaurants we invested in several different models and somehow you know never found the right uh, uh, mix of what would work and then i also realized that uh, this is something which is probably going to happen in a more you know exclusive way where one has to focus entirely on the space and try to find the dna of what would uh, make a consumer brand successful so that was the intuition to uh, step out of helion and start my own family office and start investing in the brands and once i started doing it i uh, realized that there was actually a very interesting combination of uh, several trends which were converging together which uh, made this space so exciting and you know my journey then took off in the last 7 8 years uh, in this direction so kanul what has been the what excites you most about b2c segment given you know most of the or b2c or d2c uh, they are capital intensive businesses right in most of the cases so what excites you the most and why any specific reason for uh, uh, from fund perspective to have early stage consumer brand uh, to be focused in early stage consumer brand sure so i think the excitement if i can you know take a slightly more macro view is really the opportunity to build exciting new age brands especially catering to the millennial consumers so at one level you know it's really the opportunity to cater to this really large and uh, almost a very uh, 
a different or a unique uh, segment of consumers uh, which is looking for new choices new narratives new stories behind brands and india has a very unique situation where in spite of being you know over a billion people of uh, consuming class we really don't have uh, enough brands pretty much across every category of consumption and some of the reasons for that are rooted in the history of how brands have got built especially because of the infrastructure of uh, selling to small mom and pop stores of being able to you know uh, almost have to use uh, mass media advertising through print and television channels so there has always been this you know almost uh, dichotomy of uh, large consuming class but not enough brands and suddenly you overlay that with uh, the uh, emergence of this uh, young millennial consumer class who is looking for new choices so i think that was the that was the background or the uh, milieu on which uh, i decided to uh, start looking at consumer brands as an area of focus and you are right initially it was not very clear what the drivers or the building blocks of success would be and there is always the conventional uh, wisdom or the logic of uh, it takes too long it takes a lot of money there's too much of capital required but once you start you know peeling the onion you start realizing that actually it is neither that expensive nor so time consuming to build exciting brands today and the main factor which drove that uh, that uh, almost like an insight which is now becoming more and more mainstream is really the digital infrastructure which has emerged in the last decade or so so whether you are uh, engaging the consumer whether you are creating communities and one on one conversations through digital channels or you are using some of these uh, e-commerce uh, partnerships and now more growing your own website and d2c direct to consumer uh, vehicles to reach the consumer directly have all enabled or in some ways democratized the opportunity of building brands so if you are a young entrepreneur who really gets an insight into what the consumer is looking for you can very efficiently launch products launch brands on uh, the digital uh, infrastructure and what i would call a digital first dna so uh, i am not so fast about what is d2c what is e-commerce what is uh, offline it's really the dna of how you are engaging and how you are addressing your consumers uh, requirements and then of course you know the channel choices emerge out of that and over time everything kind of comes together and everybody does look at multi channels so so right now i think we are in a very interesting uh, a uh, point of time where we are seeing the proliferation of a large number of uh, these brands which are catering to this young millennial uh, consumer base and starting to see some breakout successes which then encourages more entrepreneurship it encourages more capital so the virtuous cycle then starts kicking into place and just to follow up on that so what has been you mentioned about the digital infrastructure you see a lot of potential so what has been the uh, according to you the uh, biggest key driver in the current digital infrastructure for example the setup uh, the setup uh, setting up of the payments gateway or what what has been the key driver in the current segment uh, is it indian specific context you are uh, thinking about or something else so you know it's it's layers which are getting built so if you look at uh, the basic foundation which led to this wave of new brands getting launched 
was simply having uh, media channels like Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, where you could engage the consumer through these digital uh, channels and almost, you know, get very specific in your targeting the consumer in what kind of messaging in being able to experiment with different ways of creating these communities and uh, these very specific consumer uh, types uh, that you can do more through this digital uh, quote-unquote media channels uh, that is one building block the second building block is really the uh, advent of the e-commerce players so whether it's amazon flipkart big basket you know first cry nika and it's a growing uh, breed you don't have to then worry about anything you know you can just create a great brand you can put it on these channels and then it takes care of itself whether it's logistics whether it's payment whether it is advertising and whether it is you know managing the back-end warehousing etc so that is the simplest way of getting started now as you build the uh, engagement with the consumer, more and more brands are realizing that there is a strong use case and almost an imperative to directly work with these consumers through your own websites, through what now is being popularly called direct to consumer or D2C. And that then requires the infrastructure that Ashish, you mentioned, which is you know payment systems, logistics, warehousing, Know, performance marketing uh, and it's a I mean, ever-growing uh, space of enablers uh, which are allowing your own D2C play to happen. So it's getting more sophisticated. It's getting more, uh, you know, uh, ecosystem-wise more mature. But to get started, you know, even if you put your brand on some of these large e-commerce channels and use the traditional, uh, you know, digital media channels like Facebook, Instagram, at least it gives you a point of start. Kamal, you also uh, spoke about uh, that rather serendipitous convergence of trends that took place when you uh, were interested in the consumer brand space. But I'm just uh, wondering that preempting emerging or future trends in the consumer space is extremely difficult. So how did you capture this when you started Fireside and what were your main indicators or points which allowed you to go forth and perhaps place a bet very confidently in the absence of obvious certainty uh, without, you know, any uh, surety that this product is actually going to take off to the point that it will generate a significant amount of revenue for us to gain significant liquidity from it. But it was still a worth bet. Uh, I mean, it was still a bet worth uh, placing. Uh, so, you know, honestly, uh, there is no crystal ball here, unfortunately. So in a sense, you're always taking a bet and you're always not sure whether it will work out or not, because there are so many factors that can determine success or failure. But the, the fundamental uh, opportunity or the framework within which you are working, like I said, there are three big uh, interesting trends that are coming together. There is clearly the new consumer or the millennial or the gen z consumer who's looking for more choices so you know it creates more white space it creates more opportunities and that's becoming one of the big drivers uh, which is a generic phenomena but you can you know place hundreds of brands in that demand uh, construct then you obviously have the digital infrastructure which is allowing uh, these brands to get built more efficiently faster in time less capital required so you know it does 
again uh, allow for many brands to become successful rather than that one out of a hundred kind of a, a you know, hit and a miss kind of a opportunity. And third is that it is a very unique situation of India being a very low brand penetration economy. So the minute you see the convergence of these trends, you at least from a framework perspective, you know that hundreds of brands will get launched and will succeed over a point of time. Now you have to be thoughtful in how, what kind of entrepreneurs you choose because that is a big driver of success. You have to be thoughtful about what spaces exist within this you know, large opportunity which you think has the right potential and it, that's very dynamic. It changes literally on a six months to one year basis and we keep reviewing you know, what are the new trends, what are the new areas that we need to focus on and then what can we do to make them successful. And uh, you know, one of the things that we have done uh, very diligently over the last four years is building our muscle, our knowledge, and uh, almost like uh, a base of uh, what are the right areas that we can help our companies navigate some of these you know, initial challenges as they are building out the brands. So the risks don't go away. It is just that you know the opportunity and the infrastructure and understanding how to mitigate these risks just make them a little less uh, difficult and you can try and you know be a little more confident about uh, your ability to help these brands to get built out. Uh, on that note, Kabil, since you mentioned this infrastructure and how you, I mean, you're uh, thinking about your framework and figuring out how to make help your portfolio companies using that framework, you also said that, you know, you don't think in terms of the binaries of what is tech and non-tech, but you did co-found Helion, which had a tech-first attitude. And yet at Fireside, you're not actively leveraging technology as a component for these companies. So uh, how does that digital infrastructure play into the initial pitch that a company makes? Or is that not a requirement at all? You're okay with a brand being a supermarket shelf brand as well? So the lens that we look for is the brand lens. Because unless you have a great idea about you know a specific brand which the consumer and who's the consumer they are looking for, that's the starting point for us. Then around that, you build the business model. You know, like I said, our uh, belief is that the disruption happens when brands look at a digital DNA or digital first mindset. But it's not necessary that that's the only way to happen. And, you know, I can talk about some examples uh, of some of our companies which have grown from physical to online and online to offline. So there are enough now, you know, use cases that can demonstrate that. So once you have that uh, confidence that not only is the brand idea exciting, not only is the entrepreneur who's proposing it and who's showing some early signs of success is the right person to support, you also uh, start de defining what the right strategy to build that brand is. And more often than not, that's a digital for strategy. Then technology is actually a part and parcel of our lives in every aspect. So I would say that any brand today which is getting built in whichever form or fashion is leveraging technology. You know, technology can be very simply, you know, just managing your execution better. You know, so your ERP, your logistics, your warehousing, 
technology can be how do you engage the consumer so you know how you are building your performance marketing funnels how uh, deeply do you understand the analytics how do you engage your consumer so that you can get them to upsell cross sell continue to build that relationship with them and slowly technology is also permeating into the business models themselves how can i personalize a brand offering to a consumer and how can that become part of my brand's dna and not just an enabler on the outside so there are there are multiple different points where technology comes in but the only difference uh, i would say is the lens with which you look at a opportunity and that lens for us is always the brand lens first and then everything else around that mm-hmm. so picking one of your portfolio companies convol so boat for example they recently posted a 460% growth in profit during last fiscal year 20 generating a profit of approximately 48.85 crore compared to last years of 8.7 crores it's very rare you know to see such numbers um, um, in the news so if you can share you know what did boat do differently or what has been the reason for such success for boat specifically if you can share from fund perspective or how you were working with them etc sure sure so boat actually is a is a very interesting example football you know they are playing in a category which many would call it highly commoditized and honestly you know this was almost the first reaction even some of us had when i first met aman and samir and you know we said listen this is a space which you can import you know everything from uh, say china or other markets and just mm-hmm. it at a discounted price on amazon flipkart etc so what's the big deal also you know this is a highly uh, you know uh, susceptible space to new product innovation you know today uh, in the last let's say the last 3 4 years that we have worked with both very closely you know the hero product changes almost every 6 months uh, one year kind of time frame so you know you're always almost on our treadmill of continuously launching new products and what will attract the consumer as the next phase of growth and oh, really yeah <laughs> so, you know so let me maybe i can just you know lay out how boat <laughs> actually built the last 3 uh, and a half 4 years of uh, their roadmap so they started mm-hmm. out by actually questioning a very simple point of saying is there a gap in the market for these audio products so because that's their hero uh, product area so i'll focus on that they also do some other smartphone accessories etc and what they found is that you know there were two types of uh, players in the market providing audio headsets or personal audio headsets to the consumer there was the price warriors which were really the almost uh, cheap price based offerings from a large number of players who are all crowded on the platforms like amazon etc and their whole story was you know somebody is coming and looking for a 500 rupee uh, like a earphone for their uh, for their smartphone and there is a choice that you can pick up from and then there was the extremely well branded category which would include people like sennheiser jbl sony philips etc which were offering obviously you know very high quality audio products but obviously price wise they were significantly on the higher end so therefore th- these two uh, bands of offerings existed and what they realized is that there is nothing in the middle which can offer a branded player like quality but 
at the price which a consumer is willing to pay at a premium to the cheaper models, but not as expensive as the uh, Sony's or the JBL's of the world. So it's almost like, you know, if if one was at 100 and one was at 25, they found the 50 slot. Now, that is serendipity, that is insight, you know, that is something that you can argue, you know, anybody could have done, but they did it. Second thing they did is they realized that the Indian consumer has a very specific requirement of what kind of music they listen to. And again, when I say this, it sounds very obvious, but it's a great insight that India is a very bass-friendly market. You know, whether you are listening to the North Indian, the pop, Punjabi pop, or the Bangla, or the South Indian role, there is clearly you know, a strong bias towards more bass. So what they did is they sourced their product from China, but they spec'd it out uh, based on their insight about the Indian consumer. And they actually created uh, speakers which had a much higher bass, much higher volume, so that the, the thump of the uh, music would come through, uh, even if it meant some sacrifice to the high-end fidelity of the music. Because, you know, normally music is recognized with how the high-end, you know, the sharp note sound. This is almost the, the reverse mm-hmm. of that. And that is, again, something that was an insight which they got from just mining uh, consumer reviews on platforms like Amazon. So if wow. you go to Amazon and you actually start reading reviews of you know various products that are available, you actually find a lot of interesting insights. So that was mm-hmm. the piece. And then they said, listen, uh, who, how do we identify and distinguish this uh, consumer? And they actually uh, created this construct or this concept called boatheads. So they said, you know, we want to target these younger uh, consumers who are a little bit, uh, you know, rebellious, they're a little bit non-conformist, who want to express themselves in their own way. They're not, you know, just because somebody else is using a different, you know, high-end product that they have to buy that. And then they started identifying some iconic uh, celebrities, people like Hardik Pandya, KL Rahul, you know, these are some of their early partnerships who represent this class of consumers and they are you know a little bit edgy they are a little bit you know not the straight line uh, you know the the more obvious uh, you know uh, names in the cricketing world and as a combination this really worked for them so that was the journey's start and then the point that i was making earlier you know they started out with uh, a product line which had these big drums which you put on your ear where you get the very heavy bass. Then they realized that, that there was a trend emerging which you have these neck bands which, uh, you know, it just hangs around your neck and you just, just pick up the speakers and put them in your ear. They saw one full year of business through that. Then they realized the advent of these uh, wireless speakers which the AirPods had introduced from Apple and they launched a whole range of AirPods now they have also launched a range of uh, home uh, sound bars. So it's really, you know, a combination of this multiple factors. And in some ways, you know, keeping the brand, the community, the innovation, the price, all of that in a very dynamic way, you know, as a, almost like a continuously, you know, a spinning wheel. And that has really helped them uh, not only show great success in terms of uh, uh, overall business growth. In fact, uh, the company has quoted that this year they will cross a thousand crores. So I can mention that 
but also build it in a profitable way. So I think that's to me, you know, uh, the epitome of how uh, a digital first brand can execute and can be built. Uh, so it's been it's been very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's really 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 impressive, and uh, how they were able to find the gaps and mining Amazon reviews. Uh, and picking another another one of very interesting your portfolio companies uh, called Mama Earth. Uh, so Mama Earth has been tapping into social media campaigns and influencer marketing a lot to reach uh, their customer. I think they have become very good at it. To quote some numbers, they 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 their expenses accounted for approximately these expenses accounted for approximately thirty nine percent of the total cost, nearly forty six crores in last fiscal year twenty. So, Kanwal, from your perspective, how sustainable is the current model? Or if I can rephrase, you know, what should be the optimal market spend or till when this sort of particular expenditure is needed or required to reach the market? You know, um, how how sustainable is this? Sure. So, I think uh, let me uh, take the discussion one level higher. Uh, hmm. and let's first talk about the value proposition and the unit economics. Mm-hmm. In the case of any personal care or beauty brand, typically the gross margins can be anywhere from 65 to even 80%. So what that allows you is that if you are positioning the product right, if your pricing is sharp, even then you can have that opportunity that for every 100 rupees that you make on the revenue, you get almost let's say uh, 65 to 75 rupees in your hand as margin so then you start putting you know how much is your affordability on marketing so the point you were asking about sustainability and i think uh, some of our companies have realized that you know even going all the way up to 30 35% spend on customer acquisition on marketing etc is justified for two reasons. One is that because you have a large gross margin, you are able to afford that kind of cost. And second is that in the FMCG world, where you are expecting once you've built the brand, once you've built the consumer confidence and trust, people continue to buy your product on a continuous regular basis, the lifetime value of the consumer pays for itself in terms of the uh, advertising spend and the and the revenues that you're generating. So once you have got that foundation right, once you have got your unit economics right, and obviously you have a value proposition, both in terms of your product, your messaging, your brand connect to the consumer. Uh, once that consumer buys into it, I think the the wheel starts spinning in a, in a very positive uh, way. So I, I think the fact that 35% of the cost of uh, revenue was advertising is honestly not very surprising. Uh, the fact that the company makes a double digit EBITDA is the obviously the, you know, the positive, uh, you know, profitable index, uh, which we are very excited about. So they are not, you know, paying from their pocket to get revenues. They are paying from the revenues they are generating to advertise a consumer. Now, the interesting part here and the question you asked about sustainability is again, this is dynamic. It's dynamic because when you are getting started, it is imperative for you to engage the consumer. And you know, you have various ways of doing it, but you do have to spend upfront on advertising and marketing your uh, product and your brand. As you 
start gaining the consumer confidence, that number starts stabilizing. And as you start building a much larger business, and again, I'm quoting Varun, the CEO of Mama Earth, so I'm sharing publicly available information. He has been quoted recently in an article saying this year they are crossing 500 crores in revenue. And they are also looking at going into a large physical offline distribution after having built a 500 crore plus brand through digital first uh, channels. So now, you know, the imperative is once you get into a distribution uh, into the Indian large retail uh, ecosystem, then your choice of media, then your ability to engage consumers, the kind of advertising you do will also start changing. I understand they have also started advertising now on mainstream channels like television and press and print and so on and so forth. So it is again a journey which uh, companies uh, have been undertaking. And, you know, a brand with 500 crores of revenue with high gross margins has legitimately, you know, now established itself as a brand which there is a strong following of consumers and they can now experiment with both channel and different uh, advertising uh, media. And any insight, Kanwal, you can share in terms of uh, which is which marketing channel is better in terms of influencer marketing or the traditional channel if you have any insights so i think the initial playbook for most of the companies is always going to be some of these you know online channels like facebook instagram youtube etc because that's the way which you can both uh, pinpoint your consumer that's the way you can actually uh, get much more data around uh, what kind of performance metrics you are seeing. So therefore, the ability for you to uh, experiment, try different options, the A-B testing, and come out with what works best for you, it is still, I think, the playbook continues to be more digital partnerships. Now, obviously, you know, uh, how much of Facebook, how much of Instagram, how much of YouTube, etc., that will keep changing, and there are more choices coming, and, you know, you have, you you keep evaluating what is the best media mix, uh, if I may. Uh, the other interesting thing is that now all these e-commerce players, you know, Amazon, Flipkart, Big Basket, they all have their own media and marketing services. So if you are, say, selling on Amazon and there is a you know opportunity for you to leverage the Amazon's own, uh, let's call it, uh, ecosystem on which you can advertise within the Amazon uh, ecosystem. You, you can create your brand by talking to consumers and Amazon specifically allows lots and lots of different uh, options by which you can engage the consumer. So those are also becoming very viable media channels to not only engage consumers, but also influence them to purchase your product on these platforms, whether it's like I said, you know, Amazon, Big Basket, Flipkart, etc. So initially, that's the blueprint. As you grow and as your brand becomes stronger and as you explore multi-channels or nowadays what we call omni-channel, then you again reevaluate, you know, whether you should bring in a mix of certain uh, more, you know, mass channels like radio or television or print. And each company will have its own journey of where they feel that the right combination will make sense for them. Uh, and Kanwal, how have you, uh, like, how do you decide when it comes to advising your portfolio companies? 
about capturing adjacencies. So paperboard being another example, which started off in the urban Indian market and then uh, entered the eatables range and now has paperboard ink for the lower tier cities. Uh, is, is it when you don't see a direct product market fit and you see it perhaps working in another segment, do you ask them to pivot or is capturing an adjacency just another way of increasing their revenues and establishing themselves in the market? I think the answer is probably a combination of both. A pivot is obviously always more expensive and uh, much more you know, uh, complex. But there have been cases where the example you gave of paperboard, uh, actually the company started with an energy drink called Zynga. And they obviously found that paperboard uh, resonated right. much more with their you know, consumers and that's how paperboard happened. So that is a pivot. Yeah, similarly, another company that I was associated with uh, before I started the fund was Epigamia. Uh, which is a Greek yogurt brand. Uh, they also started earlier with an ice cream brand called Hokey Pokey. And again, you know, they launched Epigamia and that became then the mainstay of the brand. So pivots are complex, pivots are difficult, but sometimes, you know, uh, you have to bite the bullet and stand up and say, yes, this is not working. I need to try something else. And, you know, that happens. So uh, I think that is the, I would say, the more dramatic uh, situation, but pivots do happen often enough for me to say that you're always, you know, questioning uh, yourself. And as long as you are intellectually honest, and as long as both the entrepreneur and investors like us are uh, aligned and, you know, let's say, honest about the about the feedback you're getting from the market, I think you can still do very successfully uh, with the pivot story. And both these brands have, you know, done tremendously well. So. That those are great examples. I think the adjacency question is a very interesting one. Uh, and what you talked about, paperboard and paperboard swing, is uh, is again a is a great evolution of how a brand evolved over time. Uh, they realized that they were they had a very strong positioning as the ethnic drink player, but because they were selling a certain uh, you know exotic combination of different drinks, because the price points were naturally on the higher end. They also realize that the market is limited to a certain size, but the brand itself has become so powerful and so you know synonymous with the uh, values of uh, you know Indian ethnic drinks that they were able to leverage that and launch a more sharper price point, more small town uh, India kind of brand called Paperboard Swing. So that is a again it's an evolution thing. I think the interesting learning for us, and Mama Earth again is a great example, so is Boat, is that because if you are digital first, your ability to have a much wider canvas or a much wider swath of products and SKUs that you can offer to the consumer changes dramatically than if you are only distributing in the more traditional retail environment. So today, you know, Mama Earth, if you see, started out with a baby product range. They literally had, you know, all kinds of baby products. And there also, they were pioneers, not only because they were selling, you know, creams and shampoos and powders, but they also had mosquito repellent sprays and they had, you know, other slightly non-conventional, you know, as per the, you know, classic marketing definition range of products under the same umbrella of the safe for you and your child. And then they launched the products for the mother where they you know, brought in some interesting uh, personal care and then beauty products. 
and then they realize that you know that combination of baby and mom or baby and the mother uh, categories together were very synergistic they could launch a larger range of products so the adjacencies actually emerged both because there was a consumer who was buying for her child and for herself but also because e-commerce and digital uh, inventory uh, requirements are very different because you are dealing with limited warehouses where you can supply to the entire country you don't have to you know distribute yourself across hundreds of thousands of uh, uh, different uh, locations and how they are now leveraging that to take it offline is going to be the next interesting challenge you know can you take 150 products to the offline world or you choose your key hero products and you place them uh, offline so i think th- these are some of the interesting dynamics which are emerging uh, especially with digital first brands and that's really when i said you know how can we help our companies this is one of the areas the go to market strategy the strategy of expanding your overall uh, brand portfolio you know what is the stretch that the brand can take how far can you take it in terms of the different product categories or different sectors or segments that you can address i think that's where a lot of the time and effort goes both between us and our companies and obviously it's dynamic so it keeps changing uh, as we build out uh, the business so so that would be i think a, a slightly different perspective from the more classical way say you know we learned in the uh, unilever context when you know i was working there as a brand manager because there because you are you know almost the framework has to be that your product has to be distributed in half a million 1 million outlets uh, physically therefore you know there's a very sharp focus on number of skus and you know it's a completely different uh, uh, framework that you are working with versus when you are on a digital uh, platform but uh, kanwan isn't it in the digital first uh, as you mentioned requirements are different the inventory warehousing everything is sort of the playbook is entirely different but isn't it true the moat is also weaker for example you mentioned you can utilize uh, amazon's ecosystem to promote your product but uh, we have seen in the past right there are amazon is good at launching their own category own brand for example amazon basic where they are leveraging their data in house to launch different different brands so what is the how do you how does a typical company defends itself or what is the biggest moat in this particular digital first uh, segment because ultimately take for example boat or fable street anyone uh, they are continuously doing innovation for every four month or six month uh, bringing new brands new products or different categories etc but uh, how do you how do you see someone building uh, uh, a strong moat in such uh such business so see to be honest the real mode and this is you know what we learned as 101 in our ever days or our marketing mba classes ultimately it's the brand it's the you know connect you establish with your consumer the trust you build with your consumer and therefore their willingness to you know buy your product again and again because they trust you and they really you know connect with what you are offering so you know can you argue that boats products are so superior or so better priced that nobody else can match them absolutely not but today you know the best example i can give you is uh, the power of the brand uh, so they launched a range of uh, uh, shavers trimmers 
not shavers, sorry, trimmers uh, with Flipkart some time back. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, they uh, did a good job of the right product. They, you know, sourced it at the right price. So all the basics were right, but, you know, obviously not unique. But when they put it up on uh, the channel on Flipkart, they found that they, I think, sold 10,000 units in two minutes. Only because the consumer said, if it is from Boat, this has to be good and I'm going to buy this. Now, that kind of consumer love comes only if you have built a strong emotional connect if you have built a strong brand with the consumer so i would say that that is the first aspect of uh, you know moat that all of us very you know vehemently and strongly believe in and you know this was taught to us by you know the gurus at you know philip kotler in mba classes but also by the unilevers and the proctors of the world that eventually you know you have to go beyond product into a more emotional uh, and a trust relationship with your consumer the second piece is that you know while you mentioned amazon basics every retailer always has had a private label strategy and that is true for you know any offline retailer whether it's walmart or whether it's you know in india anybody you can talk of alliance or future group and so on and so forth so therefore it is not something that is unique to amazon and all they are doing is that you know, the more complex the category, the more uh, discerning the consumer, the more difficult it is for a retailer to say, I will, you know, uh, build my own category at the expense of everything else. And that is why in most of these cases, the share of the private label in uh, any large retailer, if you study the global trends, will never be more than 15, 20, 25%. Because the consumer is not just buying the product, they are buying everything that the brand around the product is associated with. So in that sense, you know, again, going back to Boat, we said that, you know, it's a commodity space. We said that, you know, it, anybody can, you know, uh, disrupt the market by launching 5% better product at 5% lesser price. But that's not happened. And Boat continues to grow. And this year, you know, the numbers are even stronger than what you quoted for last year. So uh, clearly the brand has some role to play in that. So I would say that to me is always been the most satisfying part of uh, our business that, you know, you are not building catalogs of products, you're building great brands. And if you get that piece right, then you can do lot more innovation around product you can lot extend yourself into you know new categories you know the world kind of becomes open to you because you have been able to find that connect with your consumer sure and out of all the categories uh, uh, fireside or you have invested like fnb personal care kids and education lifestyle and home products which segment personally uh, you are most fascinated with you know uh or which you see the which will be growing at much stronger rates in coming future but what's your personal favorite segment uh, out of all these sure sure so interestingly that also keeps changing <laughs> so when i started out years <laughs> ago you know mm-hmm. you notice my all my early investments were in literally in food and beverages largely in food for example you know i did id from helio and i did paper board epigamia uh, I did licious, I did Vadam teas, yoga bar. So, you know, it was almost like a pattern. And again, not so much by design as if, you know, I was predicting something, but it was just felt right that, you know, consumers are looking for choice, they're looking for variety. And all these companies were offering something very interesting to the consumer in terms of different choices and different products. What is emerging today, if I have to fast forward four years further out, 
I think the whole space of wellness is becoming more and more exciting. And, uh, you know, clearly COVID has driven that narrative significantly forward. So people are concerned about what they, you know, put in their mouth. People are concerned about what they put on their body. People are concerned about even on the fashion and everything else. There is almost like a, a, a new perspective that consumers have started thinking about. And it all goes back to, you know, a very broad concept of wellness. Now, within wellness, you know, obviously there is a whole range of food and beverages where we are seeing nutrition becoming more and more important, clean label, you know, more organic, less artificial, less preservatives. So the whole uh, dynamic is opening up there. Now, fortunately, a lot of our companies or most of them have always, you know, uh, started with that as their uh, you know, starting point. So whether it's yoga bar, whether it's vadam teas, kapiva, etc. On the personal care side also, you know, we have seen, you know, Ayurveda becoming more mainstream. I think we have, if I count right, four companies which are leveraging Ayurveda science in different forms to offer, you know, interesting products to consumers. And some of them have also gone global. In fact, Ayurveda experience, which is one of our investment uh, in, in the uh, personal care space, uh, sells only internationally. They don't even have an India business right now. So that is the other interesting theme that is happening. And then if you extend that to the digital interface, you know, we are seeing a lot more focus. For example, we invested in a company called Sarva, which is a yoga platform. So they, through a digital app, they are able to, you know, offer everything from fitness to yoga uh, lectures to yoga, sorry, uh, videos to classes, which are both one-on-one and two classes, all the way up to, you know, areas which like uh, you find uh, around meditation, around sleep and so on and so forth. So again, you know, the sensibility or the consciousness of wellness is coming in and you know that is now translating into digital health that is translating into new areas so i would say my own personal uh, uh, if i have to put a finger on uh, where i am not only seeing the trend but i personally am very excited about uh, both as a consumer and as an investor this whole space of wellness the other uh, orthogonal thing that is happening, and again, since you asked me my own personal, uh, you know, excitement in the space, is also the consciousness about more and more of our brands not only doing well but also doing good. So you know, the broad frame of what we call ESG, which is environment, social, and governance, it's getting manifested in almost the consciousness of our. Uh, portfolio companies and overall the space of consumer brands so that excites me a lot in fact we are you know very consciously building our own you know muscle around uh, how do we play a big role in this how do we not only put our own policies but how do we work with companies and you know encourage them and help them build their own you know programs around ESG and you know whether it's environment sensibility whether it's plastic use whether it's any form of sustainability and then it translates back to you know encouraging more diversity you know uh, following the right business practices business ethics governance and so on and so forth so these are the areas that i personally am you know very excited about and you know obviously as an investor, then, you know, you can break it down into subsectors and, you know, specific trends across different categories. 
Kavan, since you spoke about uh, building consumer trust and one of the most interesting examples was for Boat where they've created a new market through a product based on brand loyalty and you've also said, uh, said it quite uh, often that loyalty can't be bought. Uh, I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on the new collaboration between Amazon and Kirana stores, seeing that Mr. Amit Agarwal is also a mentor for some of your portfolio companies where they're trying to build familiarity through established uh, centers of product dissemination. So it's not the supermarket model where you can touch and feel a product, but you are familiar with the store, the storefront, the person who's selling that product. And oftentimes you often go by their recommendations as well. Absolutely. So I think that is truly, you know, in my view, uh, because uh, right, right up front, I said that India doesn't have enough brands. I think the store brand became the mark of reassurance, the mark of loyalty, the mark of trust. So in a way, you know, we have already seen that this infrastructure of the retail environment has been, you know, extremely, uh, I would say, uh, the surrogate for brands in, in a lot of cases. What is happening now, of course, uh, the example you uh, you took and you know, a lot more is happening, as you know, with the whole Geomart experience and with, you know, even Walmart buying Flipkart and now with the rumors of Tata and Big Basket, etc., is that this whole line between online and offline is blurring very fast. So therefore, uh, the ability for a consumer or a a e-tailer or a retailer to engage with each other across these different platforms is all becoming very seamless. And to me, that is actually the most exciting part of the next, you know, five years or 10 years that we are going to see. Because if as a consumer, I say, listen, I, I really want to buy a particular product from, let's say, Mama Earth. My option of choices from where I can buy is suddenly opening up completely differently. You know, I can order it on a platform and get it delivered to my house from the local Kirana store because they are integrated with some partner at the back end, which could be an Amazon, which could be a Geo, or which could be a Flipkart or a Big Basket. I can order it through a more traditional e-commerce route. I can order it from the company's own website and, you know, I can go because the company's website will also give me a lot more information. I can engage with them and so on and so forth. So if I take a consumer centric view, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, our, our lens is brand centric. But if we now change the lens to consumer centric, imagine the 360 possibility as a consumer that I am getting where I can order anything, I can get it delivered from multiple different sources in multiple different time frames, depending on my need and my urgency. And everything suits my convenience and my willingness to pay for what convenience I'm getting and what value I'm willing to associate with that. And it still allows me to go and browse and go and you know experience the physical shopping if I need to do that because I want to discover new products and what is out in the market. So that's the, you know, uh, almost like the convergence of all these channels and all these possibilities happening, right, uh, intermeshing with each other is probably the next big trend that we are uh, observing. And that's one of the focus area for me and my team to actually be on top of it, be able to, you know, not only build the relationships with all these players so we know what's going on, but again, you know, build the playbooks, build the simple, you know, learning 
uh, exercise or learning muscle which can help our companies and the ecosystem is how do you leverage that opportunity better and cover a lot of the i mean several founders from your portfolio companies they've said that you're not a treadmill investor you actually help them co-build that venture uh, in fact out of the 18 investments from your first fund more than six companies including boat mama earth they've crossed that 100 crore revenue uh, boat is slated to cross over 1000 crores in the current financial year so how do you co-develop realistic threshold for your portfolio company seeing that each company cannot be a unicorn and perhaps a unicorn too is not an accurate metric for success or perhaps the only metric for success absolutely absolutely i think you have hit the nail on the head so we are not chasing unicorns i mean again uh, i'm sure you know there are different ways of investing but what i have learned in my 20 years of investing is you know you can't start by saying i want to invest in a unicorn it doesn't work like that so what we are doing is we are basically helping our companies navigate their business growth and evolution through the lens of what are those building blocks that they need at each stage of the evolution and if i can break it down into some you know very simple uh, let's call it uh, stages we believe that the first stage that you know getting started selling initially getting the product market fit is the literally you know that's the proof point that you have something which consumers value and typically our investment strategy is such that we come into a company around that time when you know you have done 30 40 50 lakhs of revenue per month you have a product in market you have some validation that at least there is a consumer who is excited and interested to buy your product it may be a small cohort you are still you know discovering the other uh, big uh, let's call it foundations of growth from that let's say 4 5 crore revenue to 25 crore revenue is one stage that we believe requires a lot of effort a lot of heavy lifting because there you are discovering your supply chain you are discovering your best channel choices you are discovering your metrics around how much investment in advertising what is the returns you are getting on it so it's almost like you are building the foundations for growth but 25 crore to 100 crore journey really is where you are actually then putting in the growth drivers you know whether it is investing in uh, people uh, you know hiring senior management whether it is then in, in fact putting more effort into marketing and customer acquisition and then of course how do you retain these customers and so on and so forth and then you you have the 100 to 500 and 500 to 1000 so our belief is that if you do the basics right if you get the foundations right at each stage then your probability of success your chance to win the game becomes that much higher again there is no 100% success formula because many things can happen around you which are environmental and not in your control or your execution does not live up to the standard that is required but clearly doing certain things in the right way is really where our biggest value add comes in because we have seen it across multiple companies because we have seen it so many different cases that at least we can help you not make the same mistakes again you know yes you will still make new mistakes so i think that's the that's the first fundamental i would say difference in at least our view that you cannot short circuit this process you cannot chase growth at any cost without building these foundations without building these muscles of uh, your uh, building blocks 
And once you have that uh, good news, and that has been our pleasant discovery, whether it, all these companies we mentioned, six companies crossing 100 crores, is that once you get your basic foundations right, the growth literally accelerates very fast. And that's the beauty of these brands and the beauty of these categories, where once a consumer likes you, they start buying you again and again. So you're almost, you know, getting that positive flywheel uh, in your in your favor. And that has therefore led to two interesting learnings. One is that you can build uh, larger brands much faster because today we believe a 100 crore brand from that five crore uh, stage that we come in can happen in as early as three years or four years and sometimes even faster. Uh, second is that the capital required to do that if you get your basics right and you're not doing artificial things like you know discounting everything just to buy revenue you can actually do that in a very efficient way as far as your money spent is concerned so we have seen you know with 25 30 crores of investment you can build a 100 crore brand that is a fantastic return on your overall capital and within that also we are finding that you could even take you know let's say 50% or 40% of that money in the form of debt. And because these are real businesses, there are products, there's inventory, there's working capital, we are also discovering many sources of debt that can be helped these companies with. And that's again one of the efforts that we have done a lot of work on uh, in our team. So then, you know, you are at a stage where a 100 crore company, which could be worth, let's say, four or 500 crores, but has not raised so much of capital that the founders have got diluted to, you know, almost uh, single digit ownerships. Imagine that, you know, somebody who's owning 50% of a company in five years, which is valued at 500 crores. You know, that's a very, very interesting outcome for the founder. And obviously as an investor, we get the benefit too, but I'm just putting the lens of the founder here. And therefore you don't necessarily have to chase, you know, one big hit, of a billion dollars and of course you know um, certainly i believe that we will see billion dollar brands coming out of uh, india and hopefully some of these names you mentioned will reach that uh, benchmark as well but we don't need them we don't need them to be successful for ourselves because we are seeing you know a large number of our companies which will return very positive uh, returns to us but we also believe that it's a fantastic win-win for our entrepreneurs because they get to retain large ownerships in their companies. And that then is the most important uh, you know, uh, outcome for all of us. If our entrepreneurs are successful, they have built brands which are iconic and they are getting outcomes which are meaningful from their own uh, you know, personal effort and the kind of wealth that they're creating for themselves. Now, so Kanul, you mentioned a very interesting topic in terms of there is a recent trend and many venture debt focused venture capital firm funds has come up into the picture like Alteria Capital. So don't you feel uh, when a company is raising debt fund, uh, it can hinder growth? For example, you have your coupon rates set, there are repayments that needs to be done. Uh, so what is your thought process on that? So, you know, uh, venture debt is only one form of debt for us. Uh, because we are not burning cash in most cases, uh, we actually have uh, leveraged debt from banks, we have leveraged debt from NBFCs, we have leveraged debt from uh, family offices, we have leveraged debt from bill discounting by the buyers. So in a way, you know, debt is a, is a multifaceted opportunity. And venture debt also has a role to play because, you know, when the company is looking for a, 
I mean, the simple example, again, I keep coming back to boat, but, you know, there's some mature learning there, so it becomes an interesting case study. So, you know, mm-hmm. boat has this, you know, because they sell largely on digital channels and obviously Amazon and Flipkart are one of the two of their largest, uh, you know, partnerships. There is a huge, huge surge in demand, which happens around the festival time every year, because as you can imagine, you know, these are the... Uh, times when everybody is not only in a positive consumers are buying a lot more products festival but also most of these partners uh, also have these mega promotions happening around those times the billion days and the and the you know mega pre diwali post diwali those kind of events so that period of 3 months is really you know a peak period uh, to actually uh, leverage for growth and that is a time when inventory becomes your make or break so if you don't have product and there's demand then you know that's an opportunity lost so therefore for that period of time what is the right form of debt you can raise and even if it is venture debt which is slightly more expensive the fact that i can rotate that stock so fast and the fact that i can make you know significantly more margin on every product sold than the coupon rate of the venture debt still is a very viable proposition similarly you know i'll take another example of uh, one of our brands called vadam which sells you know high end indian teas in global markets now interestingly tea is a commodity which is available at a certain time of the year and they also because they are selling largely in us and other western markets they also see a huge surge in growth during the festival time and as you know you know festival time in the us is 60% of all retail sale happen in those three months so therefore for them to manage this asynchronicity of demand and supply they need short term debt they need debt to buy the commodity hold on to it and then it just sells out completely you know by the time you hit december or february year so once again you know there are forms of debt which are available for these kind of uh, requirements so it's it's really a matter of you know understanding the scope of what you're trying to do and what kind of requirements you have so we work with all the venture debt partners like you mentioned alteria there's trifactor there is innovan etc etc and then there are some even some smaller uh, venture debt players but not only that we also work with uh, some of the largest banks we also work with uh, like i said some nbfcs you know some of the largest in fact if you saw our announcement for the fund uh, bajaj financial services is an investor in our fund Uh, and uh, you know we work closely with them uh, we have worked with a lot of our lps who are also large families in india who also uh, you know have an, a portfolio of debt which they can extend to some of our companies so it's a it's a very fascinating area and not very well utilized by the uh, let's say the startup community and again we are building a lot of expertise in that as well coming to venture debt cover uh, some of you noted limited partners they include investment corporation of dubai sidbi hero motor corp but then you also have consumer brand giants like l'oreal paris rp sanjeev goenka group unilever and 25% of your limited partners from the first fund were uh, actually uh, not from india they were from across the world so we were curious to know that what was the hook or common meeting point for each of these investors to come forward and join hands with you so you know honestly when we started out say 5 years ago when i started raising money for fireside one the most uh, positive and the you know encouraging response we got was really from 
both the consumer families and the consumer brands companies so i would say that the the foundation of fireside was built around people who understood or at least wanted to understand what was happening in this you know emerging uh, new consumer uh, startup ecosystem especially on the digital side so therefore you know prem ji invest mariwala family from marico you know sanjeev goenka's family office uh, sunil munjal's family office unilever ventures itc imami these were the kind of people who actually uh, came forward so the start of our journey was really you know trying to build almost a cohort of investors who not only were looking for financial returns but also very keen to be a partner in this journey to understand what was happening with the consumer brand uh, early uh, stage ecosystem as we started executing and as we started showing more uh, let's call it validation of our business model as we started getting better and better at uh, getting the right companies right entrepreneurs and showing success the second fund that we have recently raised there we got a much larger uh, cohort of investors who still buy the the, the thesis and the opportunity that we are uh, proposing so obviously nobody is investing in us if they don't believe that what we are doing makes sense and that we can you know deliver superior returns on it but uh, it is now a much wider uh, uh, swath of uh, investors who are also you know uh, in in several cases looking at it as a strong financial return uh, opportunity so in a way you know the initial success which came through the you know uh, good offices and the support of the consumer let's say ecosystem whether it was family offices or companies has allowed us to build a thesis which is now showing that it works and because it works we are able to attract a much larger set of uh, investors so obviously everybody is investing in the idea that there is an opportunity of not only investing in but making good returns on the consumer brand space but uh, a lot of them do have you know very clear financial metrics and who manage a portfolio of multiple funds and we kind of fit into that uh, perfectly for them and kavil how did you develop the 1420 strategy for fireside where uh, the first crore is actually given uh, like it's initially invested for startups to scope the market then the next four crores to expand and subsequently participate in another follow up round of up to 20 crores to protect your stake in the company seeing that so far your fund has uh, invested in eight companies including mama earth and bombay shaving company so has the strategy worked for you uh, or have you tweaked it along the way so you know 1420 in in its purest form never worked uh, so i can't say that every company we put in 1 and 4 and 20 i think that one didn't happen the 4 and 20 or whatever that the two step model has really worked for us and what it really means is again going back to the point i was making about different stages and different foundation building exercise that we help our companies do is we typically would write a smaller check first even in the second fund which is more than two times our first fund we don't uh, you know falter from that strategy we write a first check which is really to help you understand and build those foundations to understand what the building blocks of success for your brand are and then when we go in for the next round we are very happy to double down sometimes even take the entire round 
uh, ourselves if we believe that we have got that product market fit right if we have got the foundation right and of course our confidence in the entrepreneur also goes as we work together so therefore the idea of a two stage of investing the idea of writing a small check first and then consolidating that with a second check which can be much larger i think that has worked out very well uh, specifically you know this 1420 we found that one was so small as a amount that it really didn't allow us to prove anything so if you are anyway going to write a one and a four as a default then you might as well start with a four and help the companies because then they don't have to worry about every 3 months raising some additional funds and so on and so forth so i think the the formula of two step uh, investing has certainly worked for us and it continues to be our approach for the second fund as well and uh, and kavil in terms of what the founder uh, needs to uh, so for example you've you have mentioned this in a in an initial call that the indian vc space too needs to evolve to the interests of the indian found what the interests of the indian founders so what is the need of the r currently in the indian vc space when it comes to capturing or leveraging this true startup potential across sectors and what does the founder need to keep in mind as well seeing that you do segregate a number of pitch uh, pitches and you invest in very few companies what do you need to keep in mind when it comes to india as a market Um, so you know, I I think it's some basic principles, and you know, I've been investing for a long time. Uh, so all I would argue is, it's really horses for courses. So if you are looking at a market like India, and if you are looking at uh, you know the very unique characteristics of what the market requires, then as investors, we also need to be sensitive to you know what that translates to in terms of like for example. you know this whole idea of uh, you know can you build very strong d2c only businesses in india is also predicated on the fact that the individual unit size of every product that you are selling has to be you know viable from a direct to consumer model basis so simple things like you know if if i am selling a, a tub of epigamia at uh, 35 or 40 rupees the same tub will sell say in a us market for maybe 2 dollars or 2 and a half dollars so the whole economic model will change and that will therefore determine my ability to you know how much i can advertise how much i can spend on logistics how can i spend on you know all the customer engagement etc so that that is the limited point i would say is, which is uh, uh, relevant and i think this has been now bc uh, you know, is a very mature market uh, you know there are lots of uh, very high quality investors who have been around for a long time it's just that the whole space of consumer brands and d2c is starting to open up and starting to get the attention of the larger vc community uh, which is exciting for us for both two reasons one being of course that uh, the more there are investors the more the ecosystem matures the more there are entrepreneurs who are then willing to you know step out of their uh, you know uh, large corporate kind of roles and take the plunge into entrepreneurship so that again that positive uh, wheel gets uh, uh, gets spread and second is that you know it also requires a continuum of investors who can keep participating in the companies so just a fireside or just a dsg or just a sama who are the more uh, consumer focused early stage investors cannot literally you know take care of the entire ecosystem and the entire capital needs of this uh, new age uh, consumer brands that are coming up so we we do need a lot more 
you know not only early stage but growth stage and later stage and you know we are we are so excited that people like warburg pinkers people like westbridge you know some of the big uh, private equity players have started investing in the space and that ecosystem of you know almost every stage of financing is really the most exciting uh, change that is happening in the last few years wonderful kanwal i think we can go on and on it's it's very interesting and a learning experience i'm sure from listeners perspective also to wrap it up one final question to ask you so if you were to you know do things differently looking back if you were to turn back the wheel what would you have done differently uh, as a, as an overall career or on the i mean we can pick both <laughs> no so you know one regret for me uh, uh, from a last if i reflect on the last year you know i always thought i would make a good entrepreneur and uh, in a way you know i never really uh, got to the point where i could convince myself to start a let's say a entrepreneurial venture of my own but you know helion was uh, a partnership where it was you know something that we did together fireside i started myself so i have slowly you know gone into that entrepreneurial journey but that back of mind uh, you know uh, aspect still remains that you know my my daughter interestingly is just launched a food brand uh, company in the us so i'm living vicariously through her her experience <laughs> of you know starting a business and i think in the consumer brand space honestly i think every step has been you know in hindsight very valuable you know the fact that i decided to step out of elion was you know a very orthogonal decision it's very difficult to you know justify it in a very common sense way uh, it, it just felt the right thing to do then setting up a family office and not jumping into raising a fund i think in hindsight has been amazing learning uh, process because when you are alone and when you are really you know out there and doing things all by yourself you know it teaches you a lot of interesting uh, things and now you know the way fireside is shaping up most excited about the team we have built and you know hopefully you know this is our next 20 year journey uh, which we can build as an institution and a legacy and all these you know people who are joining us have that passion and have that belief that they are you know being part of something which can be very exciting in the next couple of decades so i won't change anything uh, on my uh, fireside journey uh, maybe i could have been a entrepreneur at some point in my life no regret but you know uh, it's a nice uh, thing to have <laughs> kept in mind or any opportunity you missed you wish you would have invested during your um, uh, fireside or in personal capacity you saw it was a great opportunity uh, so you know the the one company that i invested personally and i think i should have forced myself and i had some you know very technical reason not to do it was licious uh, hmm. i was their first investor you know in fact vivek who's one of the co-founders was uh, part of the helion team and we used to work together so you know it was almost like you know uh, most exciting uh, opportunity but when they were raising money and we were just closing the fireside fund you know there was an opportunity to also invest from the fund and for some reason i did not do that and that's a big regret because you know that that company has really really got places so for me personally it's it's a great outcome but we missed it from the fireside uh, great thank you so much kanal for coming to behind the deal it was it was an absolute pleasure to have you and uh, it was a wonderful uh, wonderful session thank you so much ashish and uh, vishnu priya my pleasure